This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our monthly Bright Focus chat presented by the Bright Focus Foundation. My name is Michael Buckley, and today we're going to talk about the different kinds of aids and technology that can be used for low vision. This is an interactive chat, and you'll have opportunities throughout the call to ask questions. If you'd like to submit a question at any time during the call, please press star 3 and to speak with an operator. And if for some reason you're disconnected from the call, here's the number to call back in, 877-229-8493. And then you'll enter the ID code 112435. Just to repeat all of that, if you have a question at any time during the call, press star 3 and you'll speak to an operator who will take your question and, and pass it along. And if at any reason you're disconnected from the call, dial 877 877- 229-8493, and then enter code 112435. Bright Focus does these chats once a month as a way of uh, helping patients and, and their families learn more about uh, low vision topics. So to make these calls the best that they can be for you, we'd like to learn a little bit more about our audience. We have a very simple uh, question that you can answer by using the keypad on your telephone. If you have been recently diagnosed with macular degeneration or another low vision disease, please press 1. If you've had macular degeneration or another low vision disease for many years, please press 2. And if you're on the call today to learn more and to help out a family or or friend, please press number 3. So to repeat, it would be press 1 if you've been recently diagnosed, press 2 if this is a condition you've had for many years, and press 3 if you're here to learn more to help out uh, someone that you know. We, we ask you to do this just so we can keep our uh, calls as, as best we can for you. Today we're very fortunate to have uh, Ike Presley from the American Foundation of the Blind. He works for their National Literacy Center and is an expert on literacy, special education, assistive technology, and other, and other ways of helping uh, patients with low vision. Ike, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Michael. I'm happy to be here. Great. Uh, we've just learned from our instant poll that um, a small majority of the, the callers uh, that, are, that are joining us today have had, mac- have had a low vision disease for a few years, but a, but a, but a comparable, slightly you know, even amount have, have either been just diagnosed or there for a family or friends. So I think we have a full range of, uh, of people with us today. So in all those situations, when you interact with someone who has low vision uh, or someone or help or someone in their family, what do you say? What type of reassurance can you give them that they'll be able to learn specific techniques to help maintain some type of independence? Well, the first thing I like to try to get across to people is that, unfortunately, and I don't go into this great explanation with the individual, but for this audience I will, unfortunately our society still has a very, to, to be blunt, negative concept of, of vision loss, and they think it's the end of the world. You know, and oh my gosh, if I lose my vision, I'm not going to be able to do anything, you know, and my life is over. I might as well just jump off a bridge. Well, that's crazy because we have just hundreds and thousands and thousands of people to contradict that. What happens when people experience vision loss is what uh, occurs is that they learn to do things through uh, non-visual techniques. And that generally ends up being that you do things by acquiring information either through your auditory sense or through your tactile sense or some of both. 
Or if you have some remaining vision, you use a combination of vision and auditory. Uh, one of my favorite ways to read right now is to use a, a program on my computer where it will speak it to me in synthesized speech, but at the same time, I'm getting to see each word highlighted. So I'm using both my visual and auditory senses to acquire the information. So what I like to tell people is that, hey, your life's not over. You're going to be able to do most of the things you used to do, but you're just going to learn to do them a little bit differently. And it may seem like a lot to learn all at once. Well, you don't have to learn all of it at once. You learn a little bit here, and you build yourself up just like you did in any other skill. And that we've got lots of other people who've been through that. So uh, uh, one of the first things is to get in contact with some type of agency in your city that provides services to blind or visually impaired people and find out if they have some support groups going on so that or at least uh, uh, other people that you can talk to who've had the same experience that you had. To locate that kind of information, you can use part of the AFB website. On our homepage, there's a section called Directory of Services, and you can select your state, and then it'll give you a list of the different agencies and organizations in that state that provide services to people who are blind or visually impaired. So that's always a good place to start. Well, that's great. I, I, I appreciate your what you do to help people, you know, work through this, work through these changes in their lives. I think one of the areas in which society has changed so much in the last decade or two is is technology and I think it offers uh, a lot of exciting potential but as you said it can be a little overwhelming how do you uh, help people keep up with the with the new products that are on the market well the first thing I like to, to get people to understand is is that there are a lot of products out there and you know well over a hundred different pieces of a hardware software it's hard to keep them straight. And what does it do? And you hear a little bit about this and you hear a little about that one. And I like to get people to, to think about an organizational structure, that what technology does is provides us with tools. And these tools allow us to accomplish certain tasks. And so I group the tools into three big categories. The first one being tools for accessing printed information. You know, those, you, you cited people, you love that black stuff on the white paper. I mean, y'all just go crazy over that, right? Well, it's a pain in the rear for most of us guys with low vision, you know, because we just can't see it well. Then with the, the advancements that we've had in the last couple of years, I mean, the last couple of decades, now there's a lot of information that is available only electronically. So we have tools for accessing electronic information, and that's everything from your computer to the uh, teller machines to, you know, running your TV and getting a, a movie off of Netflix or whatever it might be. Uh, the third big area that you can categorize tools into are that are tools for written communication or for writing. Now, when we look at all three of those big categories, the, tool, the tools that are in those categories allow us to access that information either visually, tactily, or auditorily. So let's just quickly look at a couple of these. Like if you're, access, you're trying to access print, you want to still be able to read your favorite magazines, your newspapers. Well, tools for accessing that information visually might be magnifying glasses you know, and up to other optical devices. But there are also electronic tools such as electronic magnifiers, video magnifiers that some people still refer to as CCTVs, but I'm not in the security business, so I quit dealing with CCTVs, right? And, um, the, uh, and, and there's a wide variety of those. Uh, but if you are wanting to access printative information tactically, then you're going to be wanting to get a, uh, you know, be able to get a Braille copy of it. Or with a combination of 
uh, say, electronic and print access, you can use a, what's referred to as a refreshable or electronic Braille display that has little plastic pins that raise up to represent the Braille dots, and then you hit the advance button and all those goes down and new ones pop up to represent the next group of words and things like that. Uh, the other option would be to access the printed information auditorily, and that's where you get into things like finding out about uh, um, the, 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 like the NFB Newsline. Uh, for the National Federation of the Blind, one of our major consumer organizations, they have a, a phone number that you can call and you can access newspapers all over the country. We also have a great deal of uh, service in that area from the National Library Services out of Washington that provide what people used to always call books on tape or talking books. You know, now they're on a, a, an electronic cartridge. But it's still the idea that you're accessing that information auditorily by listening to it. So that's what I try to get people in general to think about. Now, keeping up with the specifics gets pretty tricky because most of the time you are provided with the information by the vendor. Well, I mean, the vendors are great, and I'm, I'm so happy that we have people interested in making products for us, but they have one thing in mind, generally, and that is sales. So they, you know, are not being dishonest, but they don't always tell you the the the, the disadvantages of their product or that there's another product out there that does this better than theirs does or something like that. So it gets a little tricky from that standpoint. Um, uh, for the general consumer, you've just got to do a lot of research and a lot of reading and, and, and looking around and talking to people. Again, if you can get connected up with a group of people who are using some technology, then they can give you direct feedback about what they experienced with it. Uh, another resource that people might want to investigate, and again, I don't mean to be you know uh, touting AFB so much, but uh, again, on our website at uh, AFB.org, we have an online uh, magazine that's free called Access World. And what Access World does, it, it provides reviews and evaluations of different products designed for people who are blind or visually impaired. And they're usually high-tech products, but sometimes we do some other things. But, you know, that's a way by reading this free magazine, you can keep up with what are the latest features of the iPhone that might be useful to you, what's the latest features of uh, uh, magnification software or of these electronic magnifiers or Braille displays or any of the other things that I might be mentioning today. Well, that's, so uh, that's that's the general idea that I try to give people. Well, great, and I, that that's all, that is wonderful. Um, I'd like to uh, to talk about the computer. It's such an essential. I think in 2014, it's such an essential part of life, from you know uh, preschool all the way to the to, to senior citizens. What what advice do you give uh, people who who are experiencing low vision? where they can continue to use a computer, whether that's both information, and also nowadays it's increasingly a, 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 a human connection. So what, uh, what do you... Off, what do you suggest uh, in the world? Well, the, the technology provides us with, with several tools for accessing the computer. And again, it depends on whether you want to access it visual, tactically, or auditorily. But we're, you're, you kind of brought up, let's say, people who are experiencing vision loss, going, you know, and they aren't, they aren't, say, totally blind yet. So they may still be wanting to work with their computer visually. One of the first things you can do is, um, particularly if you're in the situation where you can read your computer, but you have to get like two inches away from it. You know, well, when you do that, you're bending over the keyboard and, you know, you're going to get your back sore and you certainly aren't going to be a very proficient typist, you know, when, when you're in that kind of situation. Well, a simple uh, product that you can secure is called a fully articulated monitor arm. 
And you've probably seen these in different office locations where they don't want to waste desk space to have a monitor, so they have it mounted on a an arm that, you know, is clamped to the back of the desk and the person can pull the monitor close to them. Well, you want to make sure that it's fully articulated, which means that you can, it has an infinite number of adjustments up and down to get it to the right height. And what is the correct height for most people is that their eye level should be about of a third of the way down from the top of the monitor. So now I can sit up at a comfortable, you know, uh, in, in my chair comfortably, have the monitor at the right height, and now I can reach over and grab it by the edges and pull it toward me. So if I have a viewing, inches, viewing distance of three inches, I can get the monitor three inches from my face, but I'm still sitting in what we would refer to as an ergonomically correct position. Now, if that's not enough, you might investigate getting a larger monitor. Sometimes people think, oh, wow, if I got a 40-inch monitor, man, it'd be easy to see. Well, the problem with that is that you do get a slight bit of increase in the size of the image, but you greatly increase your viewing distances, distance to the edges of the monitor. So a lot of times it's a washout. So uh, that's not always the best solution, although some people do do better with a 25, 27, 30-inch monitor than they would like the 19 or 21 inches, yeah. uh, particularly if you put it on this monitor stand. Uh, that's the hardware options. Now, I will say that there's another hardware option. People put a magnifying glass-type device in front of the monitor. You may have seen those. Those generally only provide about 1.25 to, at the most, 2x magnification. And they have the, 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 the uh, unfortunate property that if you aren't straight on in front of it, if you're trying to look over to the side or something, it's going to be distorted. So those are not real practical for most people. Then we move into the software adaptations, in other words, programs that you can run on your computer that will allow you to enlarge the, the image uh, of the text or the graphics or whatever it might be. These are referred to as screen magnification programs or screen magnifiers. Uh, both the Mac system and the Windows system offer what I consider a very small babyish one type in free with their their uh, operating system and uh, the Microsoft Magnifier and the Zoom program from uh, Mac and those are great ones to try out and see if this is something that you want to use and might be useful to you but most people find within a very short period of time that these programs do not have enough robust features to do all the things they want to do particularly if you're look, working in an employment environment. Uh, as opposed to just, you know, recreational use of the computer. Then you need to go to a dedicated screen magnification program. But you have several levels there. You have uh, free programs. You have uh, low-cost programs like the, uh, less than $100. Then we have some in a medium price range of around $300. And then we have the full-featured programs, which are around the five, six hundred, seven hundred dollars $700 price range. And those are the ones that people hear about the most, and that's ZoomText and Magic are two uh, brand names that you hear of that. Many, many people, particularly for just personal use, do not need all the full-featured power, robust nature of those uh, uh, um, full-featured programs, of those highest-priced programs. Most people do things on their computers like email, word processing, browsing the Internet, you know, maybe a few specialized programs like for knitters or, or, or uh, cookers who want recipes and things like that. And these middle price programs will provide that. And you can find out about some of that stuff, again, on our website uh, in the technology section. In fact, I wrote an article a few years ago or, or about a year ago <clears throat> on these types of programs and what they could do for people. So you could look into that if you're looking into it. And I know that we just touched on the visual, the tactile and auditory. There are also other things. You know, the, the big one for auditory is having synthesized speech where it reads you the text that's on the screen. 
And mm-hmm. I, and for time's sake, I'm probably not going to go into all of those unless you have some more specific questions. Yeah. Well, we've actually, uh, I think we, uh, we've actually received two questions in the last few minutes uh, related to computer use. Um, mm-hmm. Julia from Kansas says, I need help in viewing numbers on a paper and then posting them to a computer monitor. For example, if she's working, uh, if she's paying her bills. And right. She's got the, the bills and the checkbook in front of her, but she wants to use an online system. Like, how does she move in between Okay. Uh, the paper and the and the screen. Right. Well, we've got a, we've got a couple of things going on. One, she's trying to read from paper and access printed information, and then she's switching over and working with a computer and electronic information. Now, what I would think would be the ideal solution for that would be to have uh, uh, an electronic magnification system uh, uh, like a CCTV that has the ability to connect to your computer. It doesn't enlarge what's on your computer, but what it allows you to do is to share the monitor, okay? And you can either have it show you all of what's being magnified by the lens of the electronic magnifier, or you can have it show you all of the stuff that the computer is throwing out, or you can do a split screen. So I could imagine her checkbook under this camera, and on the top of the screen, she'd see the checkbook, and then on the bottom half of the screen, she'd see whatever computer program she was trying to work with. Okay, so that may, or, or say she's just trying to enter information off of the piece of paper and into the computer. That would be one option for her. Another option for some people who have to say like type off of a piece of paper, you know, into the computer, is another typical office supply tool called a, uh, a flexible uh, a copy holder. Again, it clamps onto your desk. It has a flexible arm so that I can place my piece of paper that I want to read from uh, on this uh, copy holder. Okay, and again, it allows me to raise it up to a good, comfortable height and then bring it close to my face so that I can read from it. And it doesn't obstruct my ability to key and type in. And then, you know, just to check what I was typing in, I can look over at the computer screen, you know, just glance over at it and back and forth. So, and then for working on the computer, we'd have to figure out whatever, you know, degree of magnification she might need for the computer. And like I said, there are, there are the, the, the hardware options I mentioned and then the, the software, the screen magnification programs. Uh, some people at times find that, particularly if they're doing uh, a lot of what they do on the computer is word processing and emailing, that there are controls within those programs that will allow you to have larger letters on the screen that are adequate for some people to work with, and they don't even have to deal with this screen magnification software stuff I was talking about. Word. Do they have that in Microsoft Word where you can yes. enlarge Exactly. In Microsoft Word, you've got several options. I mean, for one thing, you can just tell it to, you know, you can set the font to 24 or 30 or whatever you want to. But most of the time, I find in Microsoft uh, products, I can hold down the control key on my keyboard, and if your mouse, you know, your pointing device has one of those scroll wheels on it, you can scroll it, and it will enlarge or decrease the size of the text on the screen. So sometimes there's some simple things like that that, that can help some people. Well, that is now I will tell you I will tell you, and I back I got to back up on all of this this uh, uh, stuff about adjusting and particularly using uh, electronic information and and the computer is that you really want to set as a goal for yourself to learn what we refer to as keyboard commands. You know when I want to save a document in my word processor instead of taking my mouse and clipping on the file menu and going to save and then clicking in this spot and typing in the name and then clicking on save. You want to learn what the keyboard commands are for that because every time you have to move that mouse pointer around, 
most people with low vision are going to have some difficulty locating that and tracking that. And, and it takes more time. So if you can learn the keyboard command, you're much more efficient. This is extremely, and I can't and emphasize how extremely important it is for children going through the education process and for people in the, in, uh, the, the work environments, that to make you uh, more efficient. We know that one of the problems for people with low vision or no vision is competing with their sighted peers and maybe not being quite as fast. So sure. anytime we can find something that helps improve your efficiency, like using keyboard commands, then it's something that's well worth the, the amount of time that the person has to put into learning it. You know, at first it's slow, but then, you know, later on, you're like 10 times faster than you were when you started. Well, this is fantastic. You've had a lot of wonderful ideas, and I just want to remind our listeners that uh, – the, the Bright Focus website will have a both an audio transcript and a word transcript of today's chat. So, so many of these these great ideas Ike is mentioning, you can go back to our website brightfocus.org and find a, and either listen or read a transcript of the call to to, to help refresh your memory. And also on uh, as um, on brightfocus.org, we have um, a number of resources for for um, uh, for people or families uh, working working with low vision issues. We also offer an Amsler grid or other tips um, for, for macular degeneration. And just to repeat earlier, if you're interested in submitting a question, please press star three on your phone at any time. And I could like to ask you about money. Um, it's how, obviously it's gonna be uh, a real challenge for people with low vision who wanna keep a sense of independence to, to go out to stores. And what do you, what do you recommend uh, in the area of money? Sure. Well, there's a couple things. One is, you know, you, you, here's where, you know, I said, you know, you're going to make some adjustments from doing everything visually to maybe doing them auditory or tactilely. In other words, if I've got change in my pocket, I stick my hand in my pocket and I can feel what the different coins are. Okay. Well, now a person who's always been visual may not be able to do that, but guess what? They can learn it. You know, the coins are different size. Some of them have ridges on the edges, blah, blah, blah. Now, when it comes to currency to paper money that's a little bit different issue unless you happen to live in a european country that has fully accessible currency but america hasn't gotten to that point yet but there has been a recent uh development in this area that's very interesting there's still some discussion and still and i don't know if it's it's finalized or not that that the uh bureau engraving and printing i think that's the people that make the money right uh, that they are going to eventually uh, give us maybe different sizes of bills or bills that have some way, you know, to denote them tactilely uh, uh, as to which ones. But in the meantime, uh, this summer at the consumer conventions, the American Council of the Blind and the National Federation of the Blind, there were people from the Engraving Bureau there announcing and giving away <clears throat> uh, uh, bill readers. Okay, and starting January one. Uh, I think pretty much anybody that's a National Library Service, you know, a uh, talking book person can apply to receive one of these free bill readers. And it's just a little uh, gadget that you carry around with you, uh, probably smaller than your cell phone. And you run it, you know, you, you, you run it over the bill or you run slide the bill through it or whatever, and it identifies it at $1, $5, $10, whatever it might be. That, you know? that is amazing. And yeah. I think one of, the, uh, one of the places people use uh, – currency the most is at the pharmacy counter. And I've heard of things such as a talking pillbox. It sounds, sounds hard to believe. Uh, can you tell us about well, it? Well, there, a, a ta- there are talking prescriptions. And uh, uh, 
based, there's a couple of different technologies in that, and, and some of the uh, uh, pharmacies, you know, like CVS and Walgreens and some of the big national ones, are starting to make this available. And, I, and, and uh, I'm not an expert on this, but here's my understanding of how it works. Um, the uh, pharmacist records information about, you know, the dosage and, and the, the, how often you should take it and all that kind of stuff uh, uh, onto, like, basically, for lack of a better word, onto some kind of chip that is attached to the bottle. Uh, medicine bottle somehow, and then the user has a little base station that they place the bottle in, and then it you know makes it play back and read that information to them. So that's been a major imp- uh, improvement we've had in the last ten years. When those first came out, you know everybody was saying, "Well, it's so expensive, nobody's going to do it, nobody's going to do it." You know, well the technology's gotten better, it's gotten less expensive, and lo and behold, some of the big chains decided, "Hey, yeah, we'll do that as a way to." Maybe you know uh, increase our customers, you know, the, of people who can't normally see to to read it. Plus, it's a great safety issue. You know, you know what the dosage is and how often you're supposed to take it. Yeah. And now, do you know if Medicare or Medicaid would would help with the costs of something like that? I do not know that. I, I apologize. That's not a an area that I'm, I'm real well-versed yeah. in. I know that some of these services, though, are free. I, free. I mean, you don't have to pay the drugstore anything to get them to set the, the, you know, to put the information on the, the device for you. Getting the actual base unit device that you have in your home, uh, uh, you may have to pay for some of those, or Medicaid may pay for some of those, and, and, and then there are some, I know there's some programs where they are, you know, allowing, just providing them to people at no charge. So the best thing would be to talk to your pharmacist, and if they don't know about it, ask them to talk to National, or can they give you the phone number and name of somebody at their, you know, national headquarters uh, that sure. that would know about that. You know, now, if you're an Internet person, you can probably search around online and find out who's the head of it at CVS or Rite Aid or whatever, you know, is your, your favorite pharmacy. Great. Now, one of the things we hear about a lot is, you know, people worry as they, as they enter low vision about losing their hobbies. I mean, you know, I think people mm-hmm. of all ages, extracurricular interests are what keeps us... Mm-hmm. You know, for example, my my mother is an avid quilter, and she, this is what she does with her time. Uh, you know, what do you say to people who are worried about you know their their hobbies? You know, the the weekly card mm-hmm. game or, mm-hmm. or right. sewing groups or other things. I mean, that's such a key part of 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 a healthy, happy life. What do you what do you suggest? Well, if you know, if if their hobby is uh, you know uh, uh, race car driving or or a high level alta tennis, they may. <laughs> have to find some other hobbies. But for common ones like you're talking about, there are adaptations. I mean, the, the quilting, the knitting, the, the how should we refer to those as the sewing arts or the, you know, um, cloth arts or something like that. There, there have been adaptations for people with low vision or no vision. You may use magnification systems. Some people have a, uh, that get by with a, a magnifier that's on a stand, you know, that's a, like a, a floor stand, you know, kind of like a, a floor lamp might be, but yet you can swing the, the magnifier over, and a lot of them have a little light built into it, and then you have your hands and the material you're working with under that magnifier, and you can see how to work with work it. It relates to that. Melanie from Colorado uh, had a question about that magnifier, and she's uh-huh. heard of one that can scan a book and read it out loud. Well, now that's a whole different subject, okay? Bring, bring that up again. Let me finish this part, okay? okay? But bring that back up again. The, the, 
this type of magnet would just be your typical big round lens that you'd see. Other things that there are self-threading needles that people can can use. Uh, uh, you know, even people with no vision learn to do the knitting and the, and the quilting. You know, from a tactile standpoint. You know, and you learn that you know you go this far and then you turn to another way. Since I'm not a, 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 a sewing person, I don't know the exact way to describe it, okay? But then cards, cards, we have various sizes of cards, you know, from the regular size to ones that are a little bit bigger, and then we have uh, ones that are jumbo where, you know, you know how most cards, like say you had the eight of hearts, you'd have eight little pictures of a heart on there, right? Well, this one, it just has one big heart and then the big eight on it, you know, so you, you know, you get enlarged. And then they have some cards that are even, the cards are even bigger physically, you know, they're, they're, they're larger size than the regular, not only uh, having the information displayed larger, but, you know, a larger size. Uh, there, there are large print versions, say, of Scrabble, of uh, crossword puzzles. You can get lots of crossword puzzles. Uh, things like that, uh, the 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 what is it, the Sudoku, you know, the number uh, game that everybody likes to play. Um, you can get uh, uh, change a little bit. You can get large print text uh, checks from your bank. You can get uh, calendars and address books that have that, that are that are in large print and have larger areas for you to write in the the address and the phone number of people. Uh, you can you, there are markers, the uh, 2020 pens, or you know real dark bold uh, uh, black felt tip pens that people write with that that help along that line. So that that's some of those kinds of things, you know. Uh, if you, uh, I'm a cyclist, is my hobby. Well, if I lost my vision, I'd either buy a tandem bike myself or find someone that uh, that has one and let them ride in the front so they can see where we're going, and I'll ride in the back, you know, and and still get to my in my exercise, you know. So there 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 are a lot of options, and and you have to look at them individually. But there there are options. Don't think that you no, know, I'm not going to ever be able to do this again, you know. Well, but that's, uh, that's most things you will. Now this to me, like, that's yeah, that's like the recurring theme in your great ideas today has been that that to that it is possible to continue to have a, an active, vibrant life. And um, we, you know, nowadays, as people have smartphones, are there apps, particular apps that you think are are useful to help people? Well, well. Right. Well, what people have to do is be willing to do some research or get a family member to do some research for them to find out about what are other ways that people accomplish these tasks. Now, when you bring up the whole cell phone issue, that's another whole ball game, and, and it depends on what you want to do and what the person wants to use the phone for. If they just want to make phone calls like my 88-year-old mom, you know, they bas- basically need what we call, you know, uh, some people refer to as a dumb phone, you know, or they're usually the little flip phones, you know, and, and there are ones that have tactile buttons, so you don't have to be able to read the numbers, right? You can feel them, and you learn the little pattern. You know, all telephones are laid out the same way. Uh, some of them will have uh, larger numbers on the screen. Uh, <clears throat> I happen to use one that, that's called a feature phone, which is in between a dumb phone and a smartphone, and it will, excuse me, it will give me some voice uh, feedback, you know, as I move through the menu system on the phone, like if I want to check messages or I want to look at my contacts or this or that, it'll read me that kind of stuff. And it will also speak the numbers as I type in the numbers. Now, when you, uh, if, if you need more than that and you want to, you know, do some additional things, then you do move into the smartphone area. And, and uh, Apple has been a major leader in this area, although the uh, Android based phones uh, are coming along uh, and, and getting much, much better than they used to be. But the uh, uh, the both of those phone systems have 
both uh, um, magnification programs that can increase the size of things on, and they also have voice output so that it can speak to you. I will caution people to be very careful about looking at a phone just for the idea of doing magnification on it, you know, and enlarging the stuff, because you have to think about uh, um, if you enlarge the text or the image, you know, if it's a graphical image, like a picture or something, on the phone, well, if you need to enlarge it very much, guess what? It's not going to all fit on the screen. So now you've got to manipulate or move around, you know, the original image, and that's generally done with what they call the gestures, you know, swiping to the left or right or sliding your finger up and down. You know, and some people find that easy to do. Other people find that a, 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 a muscular activity that they aren't, you know, too um, successful with. But with practice, most people can develop it. But, but you know, the, the whole smartphones get into all the things now. You can do email. Now you can take notes. Now you can do the GPS. You can do all these different things. Well, what you have to be careful there is not all of what they call apps or applications for smartphones are going to take advantage of the built-in accessibility features of the phone. And by that, I mean the magnification and the voice output. Now, if you're asking me what are some good apps to use on your phone, now I'm going to give you the answer is, there are too many for me to keep up with. I can't keep up with that. One of the one of the great resources for that is an online uh, resource called uh, uh, Apple Viz. Apple Viz, V-I-S, and they have just tons and tons of, of, of apps listed there that you know, and, and that people have worked with and give you little reviews about and say, well, this one worked well, or I couldn't get it to magnify, or I couldn't get it to talk, you know, and that kind of thing. So uh, it, it, that's just a market that's way too big for me to keep up with. Sure. You know, well, no, I, mean, I, I appreciate. Yeah, if, if, no, I if appreciate my if that. my boss would pay me to do that, I'd be happy to. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> sure, no, it's quite exciting. We have time. Um, uh, I do you have, do you have an, uh, another minute or two to answer one more question? Sure. This was the, the the Melanie from Colorado who was wondering about the. A, a new device that's a magnifier that goes on your finger. And well, it it's not a book. magnifier per se. I think that what she's talking about. She says then it reads it out loud. We're right, right, right. It's not a magnifier. That. It's a uh, it's it's a type of technology we call scan and read technology that uses some type of scanner, which is a piece of hardware, and then there's software somewhere that's called optical character recognition that looks at the letters and figures out what they really are. It looks at the image of it. And uh, uh, every, generally, you know, this is done, say, with a flatbed scanner, you know, connected to your computer. You place a book or a magazine in there. You punch a few buttons on your computer, and next thing you know, it starts reading it to you. The, the, the problem with this one that she mentions is that uh, is, is one of tracking and, and, and navigation. Okay, let me give you an example. Uh, particularly people who are used to using a mouse can, can relate to this. Imagine taking your mouse pointer and, and pointing it at, you know, at the words on a document you're reading, okay? And, and you have to keep it pointed. As you move across the screen from left to right, you have to keep it perfectly level, right? And then, then you come back over and you go and do the next line, and you do the next line. Well, after you do three or four lines of that, you're going, whew, this is really laborious. This is really, you know, it takes a ton of concentration, and at times it takes concentration that decreases the person's ability to absorb the information they're reading, if I'm making any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with this ring scanner, it's a thing you put, they, they, they used to have one, well, and they still do, one that was a pen, you know, like an ink pen but not, it didn't write ink, right? But it was that shape, and you would roll it across the page. Well, that works pretty well for people who have reading difficulties based on 
uh, like a learning disability. They can see very well, so they can roll right across that line, no problem. But us folks with low vision or no vision, trying to keep that pen or this ring lined up properly with the text at any point, at, at, you know, uh, while you're reading, is a very difficult thing to do. I will also add that there are electronic magnification systems like this ones I were talking about before the CCTV that use little devices say that are the size or shape of a mouse and there's a camera in there and you run that camera over the text and then it shows it to you you know on whatever monitor or TV you want to look at well that's got the same problem it's a physical coordination issue of keeping you know of being able to manipulate a device and keep it perpendicular to the line of print that you're trying to read does that make sense it sure does. Um, you know. That is, uh, you know, it's just these are things that right out of science fiction that are are now uh, in today's marketplace. And I think you've, they, you've been extremely helpful. They are, helpful but people have to be. But Michael, people have to be very careful yes. that you see that, or some family member sees that. Oh, thanks. That'll be great. But this coordination issue can be very major. So you have to do some homework before you start putting out your money. Okay. No, exactly. Yeah, no, you've no, you've been extremely helpful uh, today, and and um, we're un- unfortunately out of time. But just again, want to thank you very much. You've you've shared a, a, a wellspring of of great of great tips that I think will help people uh, continue to to remain to remain vibrant and and independent. And I also want to thank everyone who joined us today and and who asked us questions. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we'll be posting a recording and a transcript of this call on our website, brightfocus.org. And you can also listen to past uh, chats on iTunes and SoundCloud because uh, speakers such as Ike Ike have just offered such such amazing tips for people, and we want to continue to make these a resource on brightfocus.org. Our next chat, which we do once a month, is making the most of of your visit to the doctor. That will be Wednesday, October 29th, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Pacific. We encourage you to register for that chat and submit questions in advance, and we'll be sending you a reminder email. In fact, you can register for the chat right now and also request free low vision materials like our low, like our resource list and our AMSLA grid by calling Bright Focus at 1-800-437-2423. That's 1-800-437-2423. Our website is brightfocus.org, O-R-G. And... Um, just want to thank everyone for the call and uh, for joining us today. And if you'd like to leave a comment after the call, just, just stay on the line. So, Ike, on behalf of everyone on the call and, and everyone at Bright Focus Foundation, just want to thank you uh, so much. We appreciate your being so generous with your time and so generous with, uh, with your ideas. Well, Michael, you're very welcome. I'm very happy to do it. I'd like to offer one more uh, resource for people. Uh, one of uh, AFB's family of websites is called Vision Aware. And it's a uh, www.visionaware.org, you know, all one big word. And it's mainly designed for people who are experiencing vision loss, particularly the folks with macular degeneration and stuff. And it's a great place for the individual or their family or friends to start in acquiring the kind of information that the person's going to need in order to cope with uh, living with vision loss. So that's visionaware.org. Well, great, great. We'll, okay. we'll all check it out. So th- this concludes uh, this month's Bright Focus chat. Special thanks to Ike Presley and everyone who joined us, and uh, we will talk to you this time next month. Thank you. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation.
and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.